This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 263 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, we've got all kinds of stuff to get into tonight. I want to first say that usually we would give a, um, I guess the show is sponsored by El Yucateco Hot Sauce. We are no longer... Sponsored by El Yucateco. We still love them. <laughs> still love the food, but we are no longer sponsored. So we will be looking for sponsors in the future. So if you want to chip in for a show or... <laughs> <laughs> I'll get in the side, seriously. No, we love them. We love um, them guys. But we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thanks all of you men, women, and service animals for everything that you do for us. Yes, we appreciate you guys so, so much. Pray for you every single day. You guys are wonderful. And we appreciate y'all keeping us safe in this crazy world. Absolutely. Speaking of crazy world, a lot of you probably watching the news, you see that coronavirus spikes are all over the place and all that, and that's not going to do anything to help people's mental state of mind right now if they're already struggling. I was uh, reading an article earlier this morning, and it was uh, a person talking about that since COVID hit, they lost their parent, one of their parents to COVID, and since it hit, they have really struggled to, to leave the their house yeah well i'm it's, sure it's like they're they're practically scared to death to leave the house and they were just starting to kind of feel like they could move on with life and now this is kind of triggered a little bit more so it just goes to show everybody has different battles that they're fighting right now yeah i just don't turn the news on it's just too depressing for me yeah i, I, I know what i know but, but i just you know i just rather think happy thoughts you know but we understand that you know, a lot of people are struggling and, you know, it's it's hard, but just try to hang in there and just do you and take every day, day by day. But we want to let you know that if you are struggling, you've got somebody you can talk to. You can talk to myself, Tracy. Mm-hmm. The group uh, has 50, almost 5,200 people in it now. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, like I said, we're, we're always looking to accept anybody who needs that extra little of support. So... And, right. And I'm just going to say, if you would rather call the suicide hotline, you can do that at 800-273-8255, or you can text at 741-741. Now. Well, before you do that, I want to touch on this one more time. Sorry. I want to make sure that you guys know, look, we want the group to be as supportive as possible. We want it to be, you know, people who listen to the show. We want that to be extra. 
But if you've got a friend or family member that you think could benefit from the group, even if they don't listen to the show, just have them join and where the questions are, you know, if they don't know the answer, just just either give them the answer. The dog's name is Ninja. Mm-hmm. And if not, just tell them to put in there, hey, a friend told me that I could benefit from the group. And then that yeah, way they, they get in. So I just want to make sure people know that even though this is for the podcast, that we, we want anybody who can benefit in there, even if they don't listen to the show. Man, isn't that the truth? That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So go ahead, Tracy. Well, with that being said, um, I just, I cannot even, okay, stop. I'm not going to do it. Control myself. Okay. I'm not going to cry. It but looks like you're going to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just cannot thank you guys enough because I needed every single one of you last week. I was struggling myself and, you know. I swear, I don't even know how I'm so blessed and just so lucky to have all of you in my life to support me, you know, through reviews. We had so many reviews this week, and I'm telling you, and then all the things y'all posted on Facebook and the encouragement you gave me, it just it just fills my heart so much. Several emails that oh, came in. Oh, emails, and I'm te- I just don't, I don't know. I just don't know what I did to deserve that, but. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart, each and every single one of you that reached out to me and because it meant the world to me and it literally got me through that. So I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I can't even believe it. So, <laughs> and I'm not usually a loss for words, but you know, you guys really came through for me and I'll never for, forget you for that. And we got 19 reviews this week, which was the most we've ever yeah. gotten in a week. Yeah. And thank you guys so much for all the nice things you said to me because it really helped me. And I'd love y'all. Okay. All right. We better go on because I'm getting well, emotional. It's my turn to apologize. Uh-oh. What'd you do? I've done this before. We've I've actually had this exact same conversation, but it bears repeating mainly because I was an idiot and did something that I shouldn't have done. First of all, I did something I shouldn't have done four and a half years ago. Second of all, I redid it by reposting an episode. And I want to make sure that everybody's clear on, on my thoughts on this. So we re, we've been doing the classic episodes. And the one we just posted on Friday was the Bell Witch episode, which was one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, right before we were getting ready to go to Houston to do our uh, live event in Houston, I had a listener go back and listen to older episodes. They just started listening, and they ran across this one. Now, in this episode, I made a very bad comment that that I should not have made, and I'm going to semi-try to defend myself without you know, without trying to say, you know, that I should, I shouldn't have said it flat out. So the comment, uh, I'll repeat it here just to, just to be done with it because I've edited it out of the, uh, the original episode and the episode that was released during the midst of the show, Tracy made a comment about a movie that I just can't stand. (laughs) Hocus Pocus. Oh my God, why you don't love that movie? I just don't. But when she said something about Hocus Pocus, I said, I've not seen that gay movie. Or I don't like that gay movie. Regardless of how I said it, I said, I called it a gay movie. 
Well, I think you meant stupid, well, probably. But, but that's that's the whole point. You know, where when I grew up, we used the term gay for lame. It was just a substitute, you know. So mm-hmm. when I when I said that, it wouldn't meant anything homophobic or it wouldn't meant anything against anyone that's gay or that wouldn't how it was meant. Regardless, it's taken me, you know, obviously my adult life to realize that that is a hurtful comment to make for some people because even though it was meant as lame, that's still at the same time saying that you think somebody gay is lame. And that's that wasn't the intention. No. And like not I said, at all. and I had a listener uh, say they wanted to come to the Houston show a couple of years ago and they heard that and they wanted to make sure that I didn't have a problem with gay people. And it's anybody who knows us. Knows that's definitely not the issue. No, of I, course not. I probably talked, and I'm being 100% honest in this, I probably talk to more gay people every week than I do straight people. Mm. That's not an exaggeration. Um, my favorite friend in the podcasting business is is gay. And like I said, it's not one of those deals where I'm sitting there trying to prove, you know, all my friends are gay. That's not the deal. But I want people to know that that comment, if you heard that, that was not meant to be... It wasn't meant to be hurtful, but I understand that it could have been hurtful. And some people may have taken it that way. And I just want people to realize that I know that that was a stupid comment to make. It's not a comment that I make anymore, but that episode was four and a half years ago. And I didn't bother to listen to it again before I put it out again. And when it, when the gentleman a couple of years ago made the comment, I didn't know which episode it was in. I just, mm-hmm. I remembered saying it after, after, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, I can't believe I've said that. Mm-hmm. But that's not a phrase that I use anymore. No, and not at all. Like I said, that's a four and a half year old episode. It did get put out. I did say it. I own it. You know, that I said it and I regret saying it, but I want people to know that that's, if you were offended by that, you had every right to be. And I a hundred percent apologize because it was a stupid comment on my part. So with that being said, it's been edited out, so it, it can't do any more damage to people. But I just wanted to get that off my chest instead of just ignoring that it was out there because once I found out that it was still in there, I just wanted to make sure that I tried to be as dutiful as I could on it. Well, good. So. We love you. We know you don't mean that, so. All right. And Hocus Pocus is a great movie, so it's, get over yourself. It still doesn't change the fact that it's a horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> that part I don't apologize for. Okay. This episode is going to be a little different. You might not notice a huge difference, but it is going to be done a little different than what we normally do. This is a is going to be on the White Hall Mansion, and that is a local... Location. I guess that sounded stupid. A local location. <laughs> but I guess it is. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a haunted location. It's pretty close to us. It's about, I don't know, forty minutes away, something like that, from Lexington in Richmond, Kentucky. And I chose this location because of our friends at the Lexington Paranormal Research Society. Because of them, I've been able to learn about this place. I've never had a clue that it existed. Mm-hmm. The owner we're gonna get into a lot tonight. Uh, as far as his history, and I think you're going to be amazed at some of this stuff. I had no clue that he existed. And because of them, I know all about this place. Now, it's not a place you can find a ton of stuff online as far as the hauntings and all that stuff. So I leaned on my buddies over at Lexington Paranormal. 
and got some stories from them. So a lot of the accounts that we're going to talk about tonight, haunting-wise, are going to come from a former tour guide that's actually worked there up until about two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I talked to a former tour guide, and then I talked to uh, Lee Jacobs. Mm-hmm. I talked to Damon Moberly, and I talked to Tony Shearer. All of them have stories from White Hall that they shared, and that'll be... We got some other stuff from Patty Starr uh, that's a very well-known... Uh, paranormal investigator around here. I got some stories from her and stuff, but yeah, this was this is going to be really cool. So the stories are mostly firsthand, which usually isn't the case here. Awesome. You're going to find that the owner of this mansion at the time actually has ties to the Emancipation Proclamation, get out which of is here. really cool. So I'm excited to get into it. Uh, like I said, in all honesty, I really didn't know a whole lot about this place until we tar- started talking to Lexington Paranormal, and they hooked us up with a bunch of, of cool info on there. So I need to lean on them for some other locations. Well, there you go, for sure. Are, are we ready to start this joint effort between us and Lexington Paranormal Research Heck Society? yeah, let's do it. All right, so we're going to start with the history of White Home Mansion. In the state of Kentucky, especially in Louisville, if you mention the name... Cassius Clay, you think of one thing. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. For those of you who are a little younger, <laughs> Muhammad Ali's original birth name was Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. And obviously he was born in Louisville. When he converted to the Muslim religion, his name changed to Muhammad Ali. For years until, I mean, I'm 52, 53, something like that. Mm-hmm. Until about three years ago, I didn't know anything about a Cassius Clay other than Muhammad Ali. No, I didn't either. And then we come out here and we find out that there was another Cassius Clay who was born in 1810. I'm wondering if Muhammad Ali's original name was after him. And I'm betting, been. I'm betting, I'm betting when you find out who this guy was and what he stood for, I bet that was who he was. I mean, after. that's kind of an odd name. It is. It's not the most unique. I mean, it's not the most common name. Out right. There. Cassius Marcellus Clay was born at the family home in the Clay Plantation of Richmond, Kentucky. The home at the time was known as Claremont, but it's now known as White Hall. Cassius also died in the home in 1903, mm-hmm. almost 100 years later. Wow. So he was born there and he died there, and most people will tell you that he is still there. Boy, he didn't venture out much, did he? You'll find he ventured a lot. Oh, okay. (laughs) He was a remarkable man with several accomplishments. For example, he attended Yale University. Now, that was an accomplishment in its own right just because he was from the South, and most people from the South didn't really get the opportunity to go up north to go to a prestigious school like that. So here was the difference between Cassius Clay and other Southerners who actually went up to that school. Even though Cassius Clay came from a slave state and his family actually had slaves, he did not follow the culture and was totally against slavery. Good for him. He knew this at an early age. Now, during this time, most people know about the cultural differences between the North and the South. Okay, we we know about the slavery part of it, and that's what most people know. Most people don't know there were other parts that were issues. For example, in 1819, there was a society of Southerners that were formed 
that fought against what they perceived to be a negative influence of the industrial efforts of the North against the agricultural South. So the South was all about cotton plantations and it's about growing wheat and whatever. And the North was more factories and all that. And in 1819, this group was basically trying to say, look, we like what we do down here. We we like the whole agriculture mm-hmm. side of things, and we don't need you coming down here and bringing all your businesses and Correct. trying to make it turn it into an industrial. I thing. agree, hundred percent. So that was a big part of what they didn't like. So in a nutshell, it was city versus country. When you think about it, mm-hmm. you know, at a, on a lot grander scale, obviously, it became clear to Cassius Clay at a very early age that slavery needed to be eliminated. He fought alongside his very influential cousin, Senator Henry Clay, for the end of slavery through a legal and a peaceful means, as peaceful as possible. I love him already. He graduated Yale with tons of optimism on ways that he could help the cause. He got married to Mary Jane Wakefield shortly after graduation, and then he started to speak out against slavery on a national level. This did not go over very well, as you could imagine, Mm -hmm. at the time. Cassius Clay's ideals threatened an entire way of life, not only in Kentucky, but for the entire South. You know, you got to realize, at this time, most of these big plantations were all based off of slave labor. Mm -hmm. You know, how much money could these people make if they actually had to pay all these people livable wages to work the fields as opposed to getting it for free Mm -hmm. through slave labor. So, yeah, a lot of them had an issue with, you know, you're basically telling us you're going to destroy our business if you make us get rid of slave labor. Clay was adamant, though, about accomplishing this without using violence. His adversaries didn't really take that approach, though. In 1843, a hired assassin, gentleman by the name of Samuel Brown shot Cassius Clay in the chest. Oh, no. Clay took out his bowie knife. What do you mean we didn't? Go ahead. Well, I'm getting to it. And he sliced off the guy's ear, nose, and his cheek. Oh, my gosh. It turns out that Clay always carried this this bowie knife in a sheath, a leather sheath, and he was always strapped across his chest. Protected him from that bullet. That bullet went into the sheath, but not him, and he walked away with no injuries. Oh my gosh. I bet that one guy freaked the heck out. I bet he did. He cut his nose and cheek and stuff. He's probably like, damn it. In 1849, Cassius Clay was attacked by a mob. He was left unconscious. His chest had been split open, and he was stabbed in the (gasps) lung. Oh. He survived. But it took several months for him to completely recover. Bless his heart. After the recovery, his cousin Henry Clay was trying to get the Whig nomination for president of the United States. You say Whig? Whig. Because back in the day, you had the Republicans and the Democrats, but you also had the Whigs, the W-H-I-G-S. They were another form that... Oh, I thought you mean like an actual Whig. No. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were talking about those curly, silly wigs they had to wear. Oh, no. The powdered wigs? Yeah. No. So... Cassius was actually doing some campaigning on his cousin's behalf, but Henry Clay sent him a letter that basically said, hey, I kind of need you to tone it down a little bit on this whole Mm -hmm. abolishing slavery issue. Yeah. 
because you're going to piss off the Whigs, the Southern Whigs, and I won't get the nomination and I'll have no shot at being president. Oh. Well, that letter was intercepted. Now say... It never made it to where it was supposed to go. And then it got published in the paper. (gasps) And then that pretty much let them know how Henry's thoughts were too. And... Now what is the odds of that happening? Like seriously. Well, they were looking for it, I'm sure. Oh my gosh. Can't even pass a note. (laughs) So this kind of, once it got put out there, the Whigs were like, oh, Mm -hmm. now we know how you really feel so that he didn't get the nomination. And by the way, you'll hear people say, uh, like someone who's big in a company, oh, they're a big wig. Yeah. That's where that term comes from. Oh, get out of here. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. All right. So that letter, like I said, it kind of ruined everything for that as far as his nomination. So that didn't happen. But Cassius continued to promote his views. And he did this by starting a newspaper. He started the True America in Lexington in 1845. Nice. He got constant death threats. Not nice. <laughs> Legend says that he kept two cannons in his office pointed towards the door. That if anybody came in it was supposed to, he could fire the cannons. Holy crap. He brought the big guns. Even with that precaution, his office was taken over, all of his equipment was disassembled and sent north to Cincinnati. So he moved to Louisville and started a new newspaper called The Examiner. Cassius Clay worked tirelessly on the newspaper and donating land and money to create a school for non-slaveholders. So you go to school, but if you owned a slave, you couldn't be a part of it. So... Well, there you go. That school, by the way, it laid the foundation for what is now Berea College. No kidding. Then he started traveling around the north, speaking in all kinds of towns. Anywhere he could speak, he could. But in 1854, he stopped in Springfield, Illinois, to meet with a young lawyer who had also been born in Kentucky, Abraham Lincoln. (gasps) What? When Lincoln decided to run for the Republican nomination of president, Cassius Clay threw his support behind Lincoln, which was a big deal because Cassius Clay was more known at the time than Abraham Lincoln. That's awesome. So we'll fast forward a little bit. Lincoln wins the presidential election, and he begins working on the Emancipation Proclamation. We the people. Nobody's going to get that. I know. We mean... You're doing the Barney Fife deal, and most people aren't going to get that, unless now that I just said Barney Fife. <laughs> One of the people that Lincoln consulted <laughs> when he was looking for advice on the Emancipation Proclamation was Cassius Clay. He called him up on the phone. He didn't call him up. Oh, ha. no, I'm like shaking my head like, yeah. <laughs> See? Weeks after the advice, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, and it was an act that Cassius Clay played a small role in. That is so awesome. It's like brothers coming together. Clay said that he considered the moment the crowning achievement in his life, fighting for those who didn't have a voice. Good for him. In his later years, he became a little more withdrawn and out of the public eye. As far as the house itself... 
It was built in 1799 by Green Clay. Green Clay? What kind of a name is that? It's a beautiful Georgian-style house with seven rooms originally. Mm -hmm. That's all there was. When Green died, his son inherited it, and eventually Cassius Clay uh, inherited the house, and he did a massive expansion in 1860, and it went from seven rooms to 44 rooms. Whoa! (laughs) The ceilings were all expanded to 16 feet tall. Uh, There's beautiful 30-step staircases that are 50-inch wide. And he incorporated some technological advances that were very rare at the time. They had an indoor bathroom and a central heating system. Oh, nice. At the age of 83, Clay remarried. (gasps) You go. It was kind of controversial, though. Why? Because the girl was 15 years old. She was oh, the daughter well, of a farmer in okay. the area. Let me take that back. All oh, Cassius. Shamey, shamey. And, of course, he was Cassius. He was, I don't really care what people think, and he was stubborn all the way to the end, and he didn't care that people didn't like the fact that he married a 15-year-old. But that marriage only lasted a year, and then the girl left. So. Cassius Clay died alone in White Hall of kidney failure on July 22nd, 1903, in an older section of the house. He was buried in Richmond Cemetery with a huge Victorian monument that marks his final resting space. Man, we we need to go see that. Yeah, like I, have, I said, it's I, I almost wanted to go see it the other day, and there was something going on that were, I would by the time I thought about it, we wouldn't have had enough time. Oh, darn. Actually, and we haven't even been to Whitehall yet. We were supposed to go do an investigation. Yes, and we were. And there was a huge storm. Yes. Uh-huh. And it did some damage to it, so they got yep. canceled. Yep. But, anyways. All right. The house is awesome. It's beautiful. I mean, it sounds gorgeous. All right. So, that's a lot of history. I know we covered we covered 13 pages worth of histories in my notes. But there's, that was so, so good. But I thought that... This generation needed to hear everything that he accomplished mm-hmm. and what he stood for because I was impressed when we heard about it. I, I am so proud of him, except for that last part. Right. He should have. But in the 1800s, it really wasn't that big of a deal to marry a 13, 14, 15-year-old. Uh, it wasn't that big of a deal back then. But an 83-year-old, that's kind of pushing it, I would think. I think Loretta Lynn got married when she was 13, and that was in the 1900s. Who? Loretta Lynn. I reckon, but it doesn't matter. He, I, he, I, I get it. It's, I don't agree with it. I'm just saying yeah. it was a different time. Yeah. And it oh, but he accomplished so much. That's so wonderful. The home now is actually a museum that was purchased by the state in 1967. It's been fully restored to its original state. And like I said, it, it did have some storm damage a couple of years ago. But Man, it sounds like we need to take a road trip. Yeah, it's not much of a road trip. It's 40 minutes of the road. No. <laughs> we could almost take a walk trip. <laughs> be a long walk. Yeah. Now, on Halloween, back in the day, they don't do it anymore. But Whitehall used to put on this this deal where the students from Eastern Kentucky University, which is right there in Richmond, mm-hmm. they would come down and do the, it was their drama department, I think, if, if I remember correctly. But they, they would come down and they would perform different acts of Cassius Clay's oh, life on, how cool. there at Whitehall. Um but they said sometimes that Cassius Clay would actually even show up <gasps> to some of these events. One student who volunteered at Whitehall for four years 
said that she had heard some stories of Whitehall being haunted, but she didn't necessarily believe any of it. She felt like ghosts and the paranormal were just eh, fiction, we'll say. And um, she kind of had a change of heart. Well, good. Whatever it takes. Her first year, she was scheduled to work. She was working the outdoor kitchen. And when she got there, the door to the kitchen was shut and locked. She didn't have a key. So she turned her back to the door. She yelled out to someone to please bring her a key so she could unlock the door. When she turns around, the door was wide open. Oh. Oh, my gosh. She said as as if it was opened by invisible hands. She was so freaked out that she started crying. Oh. Now, that would not be her only experience. I mean, look, he was at least being a gentleman and helpful. Right. That same year, she was changing clothes in a third floor room. And she, she had noticed that there was a candle's light flickering on the ceiling in kind of like a dark corner in the mm-hmm. back of the room. Mm-hmm. Problem is... <laughs> There was no candle anywhere in the room or no other source of light. Oh. Was there a hoe in the floorboard? No. No? I I don't see that, but I'm going to guess no. Oh, I'm just saying maybe it was some light from below or something. Yeah, no, there was no sign of light. Wow. From anywhere in the room, they checked it out. So you could see it. Mm Mm-hmm. Light flickering. No sign of light to cause Hmm. the flickering. So you think that would be it? Nope. Two years later, she was in the second floor room. She saw a shadow figure moving across the floor. She didn't realize it was a shadow figure. She turned to say hello, and then she found that she was all alone in the room. (laughs) Well, I'll give it to her. She's hanging in there. Henry Clay has been dead for 120 years, but there are still constant sightings of him. He's seen pacing back and forth through the Whitehall's windows, and some say... That he's hoping that his wife will soon return. Oh. I don't know if it means the 15-year-old oh, gone a year or uh, yeah. the first wife that died. Oh. Wow. He's supposedly at least gracious, a gracious host, and he never really bothers anybody. There's no reports of film right. doing anything malicious whatsoever. Well, that's so nice. Now, Patty Starr, we talked about Patty earlier. She's one of the most well-known paranormal investigators in the, the Lexington area, and she has investigated Whitehall approximately 10 times. She said she's had several experiences in her time here. She said every time she's come, she's gotten some kind of new character, new spirit, some kind of new message, or a new EVP. She said it's one of the most active places she's ever investigated. Oh, wow. And Patty is... She's legit, buddy. And Patty's like in her late 70s. Yeah. So, she's been doing this a long time. Sorry, Patty. If you I was just going to say, she probably didn't <laughs> want you to stay long, like that long. We'll have to tell, we'll have to tell her, apologize to her when we see her in the <laughs> Talbot Tavern. <laughs> she said she's experienced everything from children to a woman in all black who wander around the hallways. And she's like the sweetest, too. Yeah, she is. She is, like she is a sweetheart. Foot. I know it. She is so sweet. She said she even had an experience while a local news cameraman was filming a Halloween special as she was walking around. She said it really freaked the cameraman out when they heard, I'm ready, Clay. <gasps> oh, how cool is that? 
Patty also talks about a picture from a couple's wedding that clearly has an apparition in the background. Patty's written a couple of books, and in one of the books, she actually uh, talks about this picture and talks about uh, some sightings and stuff she's had there. Mm. All right, so there another gentleman who's wrote a book, Kevin McQueen. His book, Cassius Clay, Freedom Champion. He says in it that they were doing some renovations in 1960s. This is, I guess, when they were restoring the house. Mm-hmm back after they bought it in 67. He said they brought in a trailer to put on the property for the guards to be able to stay in at night, I guess, to make sure that nobody broke in there while they were doing these renovations. Supposedly, the guards would watch a single ball of light move from window to window in the second floor master bedroom. Did they just watch it or did they go investigate, I wonder? Well, they went and investigated it. But they didn't see anything in there when they went in. Every time they went in, it was completely empty. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. McQueen also wrote about strange odors and mysterious sounds, such as pipe tobacco or perfume that would completely fill a room that came from out of nowhere. No smell at all. All of a sudden, the whole room's filled with it. And then it would disappear as quick as it came. I mean, I love the smell of pipe tobacco. Do you? Yeah. I can take it or leave it. It don't bother me, but I don't seek it out. Also, there's a smell of blown out candles Mm. and brandy that just appears out of nowhere. That's some good living there. The sounds include music, footsteps, and disembodied voices. Yeah. When is this place open? We need to go. Oh, they're open tomorrow. They're open till from like... I think 9 a.m. to 3.30 every day. Oh, my gosh. We have got to go see this place. Okay. Now, and I didn't mention this earlier. I wonder, I should have. Right after we get through here, and I've got all these stories from Lexington Paranormal and the tour guide that was there, we have Stephen Lancaster. You guys remember we had him on to talk about Norman the Doll. Oh, yeah. And his appearance on Travel Channel. Well, Stephen's got a new thing going on. Him and his buddy Rick Hill are doing the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. Ooh. And they just started doing that here a few months back, and I brought him on. He's going to talk a little bit about that and fun. some cool stuff on there. But it's a fun show. It's it's uh, it's definitely for adults, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a fun show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't let the kiddies watch. That's all I'm going to say. Or here. Yeah, or here. <laughs> but, okay. So I guess... We're going to start with the tour guide. Uh, And most of these are little short stories, but I think it was cool. She says about two years ago, she wouldn't be anonymous, by the way. Okay. So that's why I just call her the tour guide. All right. About two years ago, when I came to work here, Stephanie, one of our tour guides, had called and asked if I was on the property yet. I was still at my office on campus when I told her this, and... She was a little spooked. By the time I got on site, she was waiting outside for me. (laughs) Apparently, as she was entering the house from the back porch, she clearly heard someone say her name. She was the only one on the property. Hey, I've had that happen to me before, and it's freaky. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Another story from, from her. We were on the third floor in the doorway of the blue room, which is now closed off as storage. We were doing a session, and we heard a loud knock from right behind us, which happened to be the textile room, or as everybody else calls it, the creepy doll room. (laughs) 
And it's funny because I've got another story later that I actually had first. Mm-hmm. And he refers to the creepy doll room. Oh. In that story. And I hadn't heard that yet. So this is like the second time I'd heard it. She said, so they hear this noise in the doll room. We immediately went down there and tried an EVP. But all we got was the same knocking sound. That time we didn't hear it out loud. Only on the recording. And here's the last one. This was about three weeks ago. So I was sitting on the grand staircase, about six steps up from the first floor. I was checking my email on my phone. I clearly heard and felt someone walking down the stairs behind me, so I instinctively scooted over to make room, before I realized that it was 8 a.m. and I was the only one in the house. Oh, dang. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this is from Tony. Mm-hmm. Tony Shearer, he's uh, one of the investigators at Lexington Paranormal. Yeah, we love Tony. The first time I went to Whitehall, myself, Jamie, and Maddie of LPRS were in the doll room on the second floor. To the right was a storage room. We started an EVP session, and we kept hearing noises in the storage room. When we played back the recording, a woman's voice said, I see them. Validation that spirits can see us, but I wonder how we appear to them. Oh, yeah. Possibly shadows or maybe clearer. Then during a public investigation we did, I was on the top floor at the front of the house. I saw a shadow figure go from what's called the code room to the front window. Oddly, a lady who said she was a medium said a woman in black was standing at the window crying. And if you remember when I covered uh, from Patty, she was talking about a woman in black. Yeah. You know, I never thought about how they see us. Can you imagine, that, like, if these ghosts see us, how we are today, and they're, they're, they're talking amongst themselves? Well, I do think that's what happens. And it's, say, what the hell happened to our world? On one of the other podcasts that, that I was on, you know, we got into a discussion about portals and stuff yeah. like that. and And... You know, I remember The Conjuring when Andrea Perrin was talking about her mom walked, you know, it was going towards the kitchen. And in the dining room, there was a group of people, obviously from a different time period, just sitting there eating. And they looked over and seen her. And then she knew that she was not looking at ghosts. She was looking at another dimension. And I kind of feel like that we probably looked, I mean, think about you, if you saw somebody dressed in, 1700s clothes carrying a musket mm-hmm. how you would feel they probably feel the same way looking at us oh my gosh i can't <laughs> it has to be a more of a shock for them i'm sure <laughs> yeah you would think especially yeah. if they see cars and stuff like that oh man very cool now, this is from damon now you, first of all you gotta know damon damon is about what is he about six seven He's a big guy. He's he's six seven. At one time, he weighed over three hundred pounds, and he had some health issues. And he's lost a lot of weight. So good job, Damon. Good for him, yeah. yeah. But Damon is extremely funny, and he's a no nonsense kind of guy. There's a lot of spirits that Damon feels like will not talk to him because he feels like he intimidates some of them. <laughs> well, come on now. <laughs> I'm serious. He there. We've had some conversations about it. he can go in and these spirits won't talk to him and somebody else can come in and they will. Uh-huh. Uh, so, 
But anyway, so this is Damon's story. And I'm telling you that because Damon's story is kind of funny. And you got to, if you got to know, this is exactly what I expected to get from Damon when I asked <laughs> him to give me experience. He said, while hosting a ghost hunt one night, we were in Laura's room. She was Cassius's daughter, and she was a founding member and president of the women's suffrage movement and was actually nominated to run for president. Wow. See, even his offspring are yeah. making big moves. Good. He said, but when I asked about her in that room and asked about her politics, I was pushed out the door. Fast he, forward. He, he, wait a minute. He was pushed out the door? He was pushed out the door. <laughs> Fast forward a year and the weekend after Thanksgiving, we were filming in that room and we referenced that incident just as we asked if it was her. We all saw a flash of light and was confused where it came from. Then the thunder rolled through the through and knocked out all of the power. Yes, we were having a thunderstorm in late November. LOL. <laughs> oh, wow. So he asks and gets basically kicked out. Yeah. And then the following year when they bring it up again, a thunderstorm comes through and knocks out all the power. Yeah. So I bet third time won't be a charm, so. All right, Lee Jakes is one of the... Uh, the head guy's up there, Lee Bowie. He's one of our buddies. He gave me a couple of stories. Story one. On the night of a preliminary investigation in early fall, it was a very slow night. As I walked down the front steps of Whitehall with Brian and Connor, I was, in typical Lebo fashion, cussing about how the night was weak and these <laughs> bastards weren't showing themselves. <laughs> As I finished my sentence, my backpack <laughs> lifted up on my back and I was shoved from behind down the steps by an unknown entity. Oh, you're kidding. It said Brian and Connor hadn't seen it themselves. I'm sorry. If Brian and Connor hadn't seen it for themselves, I would have just brushed it off. But that was the first time I've ever been physically touched by a spirit. Oh, man. So now we've got Lebo, and Lebo is like 6'6". Six, six. Oh, yeah. Definitely. He was pushed. Damon was pushed. It's like these little spirits ain't going to tolerate no big dude coming in there and trying to boss them around, I guess. Second story. As Maddie and I were setting up for a public investigation in the basement next to the jail cell, we heard noises from around the corner. Knowing we were the only ones down there and we couldn't have heard anyone else enter that area, we were confused. We exited the jail cell, turned toward the historical reenactment, and saw a shadow shoot by. We were both stunned and didn't remove our gaze from the reenactment area. As we were getting ready to walk away, we saw what appeared to be a shadow the size of a young child peek its head around a couple of bourbon barrels. At that point, the room went very cold, and of course the goosebumps came, and all the hair stood on end. He was gone as quickly as he arrived. Throughout the night, the Frank's box, which that they they call the Frank's box the the digital recorder, oh not yeah, the, the, not the digital recorder, the uh, spirit box, little right. radio. They call it radio. Frank. Yeah, they call it the Frank's box. But the Frank's box and the digital recorders went crazy. And a medium, whom I trust, told us that the kid was comfortable with us and was leading others to talk to us. The clients and the guests were ecstatic, and they loved all of the action that took place Aww, that night. Oh, man, how lucky. 
So anyways. Nice. There you go. That's what we got. That's awesome. I thought that was a fun a fun story to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had enough stuff and it was all local. Yeah. And people we trust. So it made it a little bit different. I'd like to actually do some more stuff like that. So No, with, with yeah. Actually talking to people and getting eyewitness mm-hmm. accounts and stuff of like course, that in these yeah. places. Makes it more uh, fun and exciting and just love finding out all that stuff. I'm tickled to death about all this stuff I just yeah. found out. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a real quick break from our sponsor. And then we're going to talk about, uh, real quick, the Patreon reviews and stuff, which we have, you know, a few. And then we're going to listen to this awesome interview that I did with Stephen on the Shadow Initiative, Paranormal TV. Okay. All right, Tracy, real quick, I'm going to bring it up again. We've got the Louisville show is now 20... Days away. Oh, my gosh. We've got more than half the tickets are sold. Um, should be a blast. Can't wait. We've got a bunch of stuff to sell there that now that we got uh, air fresheners, mm-hmm. pumpkin spice air fresheners, just in time for fall. Yep. And then we've got uh, stickers and all that stuff. You guys love all that stuff. Yeah. So gosh, I'm so to, looking forward to this. So we got that show coming up. We are six tickets away from being sold out. And for the show in St. Augustine, September. And then we got all the other shows. I'm not even going to uh, talk about them. We'll go to the website and that mm-hmm. and the cruise and all that's on there. HillbillyHorrorStories.com. You can get merchandise and you can check out all the events. Amen. What we got going on over there, Mabel? Well, first I would like to congratulate David Black and Rebecca Mullins for being the winners of our Fume. And yes. Uh, congratulations Gave away on two, that. two fume kits <laughs> thanks to our buddies over at fume for giving us that so uh rebecca's trying to quit smoking mm-hmm. and david's looking to just have a little extra relaxation so enjoy those keep us updated on how good they work for you yeah absolutely and so like i said at the beginning we have a crap ton of itunes and it just makes my heart happy mm. okay sorry all right so i'm gonna have to take in a big dip, deep breath uh, the first one is Kentucky, Tennessee Guy, Crafty Ames, Corn Mom 5, Sarah Nicole F, Movie Girl. I don't know if I'm saying this right. A Hoagie, Hog, how's it? Was I it? think it's Hoggy. Hoggy. A Hoggy 74, Wrong Way Right, Mistress Mandy. That's Boyd Wright, by the way. Oh, I'll yeah. be dang. Well, hey, boy, what's up? Um, Let's see. RK, May 6th. Oh, you know what? I think it's Mary 6th. Mojo Lobster, Fire1523, Jake4824, Smarsh19, Bubbage33, Courtney Henyon, R. Baker58, The Real Roadie3000, The Arkansas Peanut Farmer, and Dave and Wendy. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. <sighs> Thank you guys so much for your reviews and having my back and everything like that. It just put a smile on my face every single day. And I love you all so much. I appreciate you all. Our Patreons are Perry Thompson. Angie. What would I just say? Sorry. Hoggy. Hoggy. And Rhino Raider. Thank you guys for your support. Um, we just, I don't know if you really just, I know we say it every week, but you guys mean the world to us and, uh, we just 
look so forward to meeting a lot of you coming up at our shows. And again, thank you guys so much for making me feel wonderful when, uh, I don't know. I'm going to cry again. So. I don't know. 19 reviews. You should cry every episode. Oh, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> isn't that wonderful? But I love you guys so much, and thank you all again. All right, guys. Let's listen to uh, Stephen Lancaster of Norman Adal fame. he got new books getting ready to come out. It's a, it's a pretty fun interview, so we'll find out all about him, and he's got some cool stories to share with you here. Hey guys, we've got uh, Stephen Lancaster back on today. And Stephen, if you remember, was on a couple months back talking about Norman the Doll, and that was pretty much the focus of that episode. But, you know, Stephen, obviously, aside from being an, an author, is also a paranormal investigator. He's a collector of all things creepy, which if you're watching the video, you can see some of that stuff in the background. But he also has been on the forefront of paranormal We'll say TV videos and stuff way back at the beginning of YouTube. So this goes back like 10 years or so. And he's got a new venture with him and his buddy Rick Hale called Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. And I've been enjoying it. So I wanted to bring Stephen on to talk about that aspect. It's a it's a new venture. Sometimes those things are hard to get off the, the ground and get the following as quick as you want it to be, even if people know who you are, as I found out with my own video channel, Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. So, Stephen, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you, Jerry. I, I enjoy being on this show. You're you're a pleasure to talk to, my friend. I appreciate that. And the check is in the mail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV is and how it got started and how, how you came to do this with Rick. Well, what it is, um, it, it's... I had to change the intro because the, the original intro showed me and Rick investigating. And I think people thought that they were going to be watching another investigation show. Right. Uh, so I kind of changed that quickly. But it's a talk show, just like you and I are doing, that uh, focuses on the paranormal. And we break it up in, se in segments. You know, we try to keep it between 60 and 90 minutes. We have guests on like you do. Um fairly similar format but we have these segments like creature of the week where we bring in cryptozoology you know we have haunted salvage which is where i will talk about a piece of the, one of these allegedly haunted items that i've acquired um rick does ghost watch which is kind of a tribute to peter underwood um where he talks about a, a haunted location from around the world we have paranormal news you know but but the the thing about it is we wanted to make it lighthearted, uncensored, unfiltered, um, you know, just a couple old guys from the old school, you know, talking the paranormal come what may and, and just having fun with it. And it, it kind of started with, you know, Rick was on a very successful podcast a decade ago. And uh, I had my own uh, kind of TV thing I was doing with Monster Vision TV um, right when YouTube was just starting to take off. And that's how Rick and I had met. He had started watching Monster Vision TV. And it's kind of silly and embarrassing to watch now. But back then, that was the first of its kind. That was the first, hey, independent paranormal investigative show aside from TV, you know, aside from network television. And Rick became a fan of the show. And I kept doing it, and we we garnered like two million hits on YouTube. We were we were the only ones doing it, 
now everybody and their brother has a paranormal show on YouTube. Right. But, you know, the podcasting thing blew up about that time, you know, 2010, 2011. And I'm the kind of guy that always likes to keep going up levels. What can we do to make this better? And for a few years now, I've kicked around the idea of doing a paranormal podcast, but with video, something you've been doing for quite some time. And, and, you know, I thought, okay, um, who can I do this with? Because I need somebody. I I work better when I have somebody to bounce it off of, you know, and I need I don't need somebody like me. I need somebody that almost the complete opposite of me to really make it interesting. And the first person that came to mind was Rick because I had some criteria. It has to be somebody I fully respect in the field of paranormal research. And I can count on one hand who those people are. It has to be somebody who, who pretty much feels the same way I do about paranormal research. We don't have to agree on everything, but pretty much be anti the commercialism of it. You know, the same mission statement. And I approached Rick with it and he's like, hell yeah, man. He's like, let's, let's do this. What do you need from me? And I said, look, I got the production skills. Let's just set a day each week. And cause I don't want to do this live. I want to have full control of production to really bang this up. And I'm glad I did because people watch it on their smart TVs. You know, they're watching it like it's an actual like talk show, which is really cool because we br- bring on guests. We bring on the TV people um, we, we just bring on people that our main goal was to bring on these paranormal researchers, these these veterans that you've never heard of because they're not commercialized. But, hey, here are the real deal people. And we started last December. We're not even up to a year. And I was quite surprised. I kind of prepared Rick because he's new to the YouTube thing. I was like, look, man, YouTube is a, a hit or miss. <laughs> right. You know, we may do this and get two hits, man. So don't let that beat you up, you know, because I've I've been on YouTube for a long time and I can upload video A and get 10 hits and then video B gets 75,000. It's just so unpredictable, you know, but we did it. And all of a sudden, let's start a Facebook page. And in a few months, had over a thousand fans on Facebook. I was like, Okay, cool. This is going somewhere. You know, that's that's the short version. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, you're 100% correct on on uh, the difference between YouTube videos and especially podcasting. What I found out is it's really two different markets. And the best way that I can uh, can show an example of that is we started our own YouTube page uh, or I guess channel, I should say, called Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. And it's just us doing a seven, eight, nine minute video, but it's a little more uh, scripted than what our regular show is. It's just me reading out the story with some spooky music behind it. And I said, okay, I'll do it in a way that we can put it as a standalone episode on the podcast. So you don't have to see the video, but we'll also have a video version of it. Mm-hmm. And most of those episodes get about 5,500 listens the first five days they're out on the podcast. But we'll struggle to get 50 people watch the video. And mm-hmm. I was really surprised at that. And I mean, and we're now, I just did episode 30 was released last night. So we're 30 weeks in. And, uh, you know, this is about the, about the time that a baby's getting ready to be born after conception. And we're still struggling to get 100 to 200 uh, views on this thing. And, I, you know, like I said, I never would have imagined 
That, and, and I think they're good quality. I really, I'm really happy with how they turn out. But just getting that audience on YouTube, I thought would be, oh, a lot of these people listen to the show. They'll flip over and watch the video. They'll want to see it. And it's just not been the case. And I can't figure it out. It's a whole different animal than what I'm used to. Yeah, I'm I'm like minded. I'm with you when it comes to that. And it's interesting because before I retired as an author and, and investigator, what I did was marketing for other companies. And so I just kind of have that ingrained when it comes to graphic design and marketing, social media and videos, you know, episodes that we'll do of Shadow Initiative, let's say on YouTube, that don't really get a lot of hits that we expected to, but didn't. We put that same video on Facebook and it gets a thousand hits overnight. It's, but then there's videos we put on Facebook that don't get the hits, but get them on YouTube. Same exact video. So that told me it's like, hey, there's two different audiences there. We have right. a Facebook audience and we have a YouTube audience, but people want video and they, and they want it on demand. They want to be able to watch it whenever they want to watch it. And uh, that's the next evolution, which a lot of people like yourself jumped on way before um, it, it was demanded. But now it's you got to have it. Yeah, you're you know? definitely right about the different audiences. I know I had done some uh, some work on on promoting on social media. And it's like it said, you know, don't waste your time promoting on Instagram if you've got an older crowd. Facebook's more mm -hmm. your crowd. You know, because they're the older people tend to be on Facebook, younger on Instagram and, you know, and older on Twitter. So it really does matter which which platform you're on and you're promoting to because you got to go where your audience is. And that's what people don't realize when you're looking at demographics on your on your stats. You know, that age group means a lot as to where you should if you're going to spend money on advertising, where to spend your money at and, and not it, to get frustrated if it doesn't work on one platform, it could work on the other. You're absolutely right. And and it, it it's a telltale, like you said, study those analytics because um, it'll tell you what your audience is. Just like you said, you know, our audience for that show is not the same people that sit there and watch Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. I'm sure there's a few, you know, but it's mostly the older paranormal vets, you know, the veterans, the old school paranormal people, because we've had the TV people on our show. And I fully expected, okay, this episode's going to blow up in the hits. Didn't. They're, they're low man on the totem pole on our playlist. But these people we brought in, uh, like Ann Massey from the UK, wonderful, wonderful lady. You know, I had never heard of her until Rick mentioned her to me. We bring her on the show and that 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 episodes have more hits than any of them. So right there tells us who our audience is. It's not the TV people. And that's, and not that's fine. <laughs> but but not only that, but you know, when you get the big names, usually and we've had all the big names on the show and no offense to them, they got a, they got a thousand things going on. They typically don't promote your show. You know, it's just a, another show that they're on. And in your head, you think initially, oh, if I get, you know, Grant Wilson on. Mm -hmm. well, we're going to get we're going to have, you know, at, listens out the wazoo because it's Grant Wilson. And then, you know, and Grant, in, in fairness to him, he actually did mention when he was on the show. But most of them don't um, just because it's just not as big a deal to them as it is to us to have them on the show. But you're right. That doesn't turn into more listens more times than not. And, uh, you know, we we end up, you know, now, like when we had Andrea Perrin on. 
I think mm-hmm. she's just such a name out there that appeals to so many other people because of the whole conjuring thing out there. Mm-hmm. That one really benefited us probably more than anybody. But I mean, all the other big names we were on really didn't benefit us listens wise any more than a regular episode that had nobody on. Right. So go, go figure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so tell everybody while we're on the subject of shadow initiative, what's the best way for them to tune in? You mentioned earlier, people watching it on their smart TV. Is that via YouTube? Is that via some other platform? How do they watch? Right now it's YouTube. Um, mostly. Uh, or Facebook, I guess, but they're using the YouTube app from what I've been told. And it's so cool because when we have a good episode, you know, our friends or whatever will tag us with a screenshot, you know, an image of them sitting there with their feet up and they're watching us on their 70 inch. Like, oh my God, I can barely stand seeing me this big. (laughs) But uh, especially Rick. Anyway, um, so it's, it's like, Okay, that you know, YouTube's that's cool, people. So I kind of produce it that way too. I produce it knowing that it's going on a TV because some people get onto me on YouTube and it's this generation, the cell phone generation. They're like, you need to make this bigger, this, that. And they're not my target. I'm not targeting people watching it on the phones. Right. You know, if I'm showing paranormal evidence, which we do every episode. You don't need to be squinting at a screen this big if you're truly trying to see what we're, you know, trying to show. I don't know. It's it's experimenting. It's experimenting. But, you know, we promote it each week. We have a group and then we have the Facebook page and we promote what's coming up. And um, they just show up. They either come to YouTube or they just watch it directly on their on their TV. It premieres at the same time every Friday night. and. It, it kind of throws the the anal, the analytics off that we were talking about a little bit, but because uh, I'm not sure how that registers, really. You don't really see smart TV <laughs> as one of the choices of where people watched it, and I know that's being done a lot. Oh, that's true. It just shows up as YouTube. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. So let me ask you this. the If people go to your Facebook page, mm-hmm. there is a video like a preview video that of testimonies that is actually one of the funniest things that I've seen in forever. I absolutely love that. And I would advise anybody to go to the uh, shadow initiative, paranormal TV, Facebook page, like that page and watch that video. Uh, it's hilarious. And uh, poor Rick takes a lot of, uh, a lot of hits in that one. <laughs> I know. I can only imagine. I love Rick to death. Like like I say, he's one of my best friends, one of the most respected people for me in the field. And uh, that was something else with this show is, again, keep it lighthearted and have fun with it. You know, I'm a comedic guy to begin with. And for such a long time, you know, people viewed me as this very serious paranormal researcher, you know, and I am. But there's more to me than just that. Like you and I talked on Facebook. I love music. You know, I'm doing music reaction videos. You know, I'm adding the comedic element to shadow. And there's more to me than just the paranormal guy, the ghost guy. And I tell people when they ask about shadow initiative, go go into it knowing it's dirty. <laughs> you know, there's there's profanity, you know, and, and people have actually approached Rick and myself and legitimately asked, 
do you guys even like each other? Because <laughs> we just bash on each other. Though. Anytime there's an opportunity for a joke, we it just comes out. And that's what I like about it. Because we'll go into an episode. When we first started, I would write up a one sheet. Okay. Intro, commercial, segment one. This is what it is. Commercial, commercial. You know. And, and uh, a log line, whatever you want to call it. And it just got to be too mechanical. So now we would just go into it like, okay, this is what Creature of the Week's going to be. This is what Ghost Watch is going to be. This is the evidence we're going to show. And then we just roll with it. And then you get a nice, you get all this genuine, natural reacting. And there's a, a, a many times where Rick has no clue what I'm going to show. So I'll literally send it to him through Skype as we're recording the show. So he's seeing it for the first time and you're getting that nice natural reaction. Yep. That's always a plus. Talk a little bit before we get off of here about the, uh, the music reaction videos and people can see them. Cause I was telling you, I love those things. I'll, I'll go down a rabbit hole and I'll pick one song for whatever. And I won't even be purposely seeking these out. I'll just be looking. And because I guess I've watched them on YouTube, something to pop up and it'd be so-and-so's reaction to Tennessee whiskey. And next thing I know, I've watched like eight different people reacting to Tennessee whiskey or whatever the song is, because they all keep popping up one after another. I don't know why they fascinate me, but they obviously fascinate a lot of people. Cause some of these people doing these reaction videos have millions of followers and, yeah, they'll put they'll put out one, and and within two days they've got three four hundred thousand views on it. So, how did you decide to start doing uh, these kind of reaction videos, and where can people see those at? Uh, well, my YouTube channel is Label Thirteen Videos, and that's where all the paranormal stuff is. Stuff about my love for collecting things, antiques, vintage toys. Um, shows about that. Shows about movies. Um. But I've always loved music. I've gr- I grew up with music. I was sat down in front of a piano at the age of five, a guitar at the age of five. My first musical experience was my dad and I would spend every evening listening to his records. And the very first thing he ever played for me was Pink Floyd's The Wall. Nice. And I just fell in love with it. And of course, I became a musician. I was in every kind of band, uh, jazz band, concert band, marching band, private lessons, piano lessons, everything. And then, of course, came high school and I had my own bands, you know, and did that for about a decade on top of the paranormal stuff. So music has always been a big part of my life. And recent, within the past year or so, I, I kind of put a stop to it. Um, I really want to get back into it and I'm taking baby steps and there's, there's a really noble reason as to why. Um, And we can talk about that if there's time, Uh, if not, we won't. But um, so I thought, you know, I'm completely out of touch, Jerry, (laughs) with what is going, I don't watch regular TV. Okay. I don't ever listen to the radio because I can't stand it. You know, I'm literally spinning the same records from the fifties to about the mid nineties. That's what I listen to across all genres of rock, mostly. Okay. And, you know, from, from stuff like Zeppelin to Dream Theater, you know, to, to Steve Vai, to Dave Matthews. And uh, I thought, you know, everybody's doing these, these reactions videos. What can I do that's a twist? So I thought old school versus new school. 
where I come on there and I say, okay, hey, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Old School versus New School. This is your old guy, Stephen, you know, who takes suggestions from you from the past 30 years or so. So I'm looking to this modern generation to suggest great music for me because I don't go looking for it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I don't place myself in any scenario where I'm experiencing this new music and I know there's great stuff out there. So I started it about two months ago and the, this younger crowd and some older dudes are, are jumping in on my page, you know, like, Hey, I'm just like you trying to find new music. And uh, this younger crowd saying, Hey, you need to check out this band. Hey, if you like dream theater, check out Nightwish. And I, I, I mean, I am falling in love with some of these bands that I had no clue existed. So it started as a journey for me to discover new music to kind of get me out of the past a little bit. Nice. Well, it sounds like you're enjoying it. So that's a plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like you. When it comes to music, I don't listen to anything new. And but I probably go back a little bit newer than what you do. I mean, there's a lot of bands you know, from five, six years ago that I'll listen to. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, but uh, Greta Van Fleet kind of liked them because they had that Zeppelin sound to them. But if oh, it doesn't catch me, <laughs> if it doesn't catch me like that, it's going to be hard for me to listen to. And that's, that's all genres of music. But yeah, my, my choice at my Spotify playlist, Judge, go, goes from the 50s to 60s, 70s. And that's kind of where it stays for the most part. I, you know, I like some 80s stuff just because it reminds me of my, youth growing up because that's when i was in high school but for the most part you know it's for it's gonna be 60s and 70s almost every time so i get that and it's tough it's tough for for the my subscribers because they're like you know you're so hard to pinpoint because i can go from listening to something like the doobie brothers to something like you know as heavy as pantera and enjoy it you know what i'm saying i've just such a wide range uh, of rock music that I enjoy. And I, I, I was doing some videos before you and I got on here and I, I flat out told him, I said, look, okay, the past week or so of suggestions have all been progressive metal. You know, that's awesome. These are great bands. How about throwing me something that's just acoustic? You know, let, let's go down that road a little bit because I'm getting stuck in this progressive metal stuff. Yeah, that's, well, and I don't, so I'll throw one out for you since you like uh, acoustic. Um, Stereo Fuse is a band. They they had a song come out. This song's probably about fifteen years or so old, mm-hmm. but it's called uh, Everything. Uh, check that one out. That'd be one I think you'd probably I like. Will. So, I will. all right. I guess that's going to pretty much wrap things up for the most part. You got anything else going on that people know about? Any kind of events that you're going to be hosting or books you got coming out? Uh, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, a book that was supposed to come out last year, but COVID hit and slowed down the entire process um, with the publisher to the point where I thought it was long and gone. Uh, last week, I get an email. Hey, we're back on with this. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. So I've got a, a book called The Haunts and Haints of North Carolina um, that'll be released through Schiffer in the spring. And then I've got another one that um, we haven't figured out a title yet on that's going to be with Llewellyn Worldwide again next year. Um, As far as TV, I filmed with Travel in April um, for another episode of A Haunting about one of my favorite haunts, uh, the Brentwood Wine Bistro. And that's supposed to be on whenever A Haunting comes back to 
um, TV, and we're in talks of doing yet another episode of that. So I, I, I don't know. But yeah, other than that, I've just been doing the music thing and uh, finalizing these books that are coming out next year and getting ready to uh, do season two of Shadow Initiative. What's the best way for people to keep up with all this stuff you got coming out? Uh, my YouTube is where it's like, I just, I could be in the middle of a music reaction video and all of a sudden just start telling people about Shadow Initiative. <laughs> but uh, YouTube, uh, you can talk to me basically on a daily basis in a way. Um, but my website, um, authorstephenlancaster.com, that pretty much keeps everything up to date. And I'm very accessible on Facebook. You know, just hit me up on Facebook and whatever. <laughs> awesome. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but the I was talking about our video series, Hippo uh, Dead Time Stories. But last week's episode was actually on the Brentwood uh, Restaurant and Wine Bistro. Oh, so, was it really? So yeah, if you yeah. hadn't checked it out, check that one out. Excellent. So, awesome, Stephen. I appreciate it, brother. I'm sure we'll have you on in the future. Thank you again, Jerry. It's always a good time, buddy. All right. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. All right, guys, always a fun interview. Stephen Lancaster is a blast to talk to. I end up talking to him longer off air than I do on air. We got on the subject of music and guitars and everything else yeah. after we got through with the interview the other day. So fantastic. And speaking of music, it's not 100% definite yet, but we may have a new theme song in the works. Oh, yeah. So I'm kind of working out with my buddy Tragic as we speak about some, we'll see what it goes. If it, if it turns out to be something we, we want to switch to, we'll do that. If not, we'll use it for something else. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, I think it might be time. It's, we've had this one for four years or so. Mm -hmm. Might be time for a refresher. Yeah, definitely. We love yeah. it though. And then um, Tragic, who does their song, will actually be at the Louisville show. So if any of y'all come, you'll get a chance to meet him and his family. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for everything you do. We love you. Oh, I got to I gotta end on this one. Okay. If you go to our Facebook pages, or I think it's on, on Facebook, but we were nominated for a podcast award. Oh, my gosh. How through exciting. Through Par Paranormal Magazine, and it's their first annual podcast award. We were nominated, and if you go to our Facebook, there are links, so you can go there. So you can go to our Facebook page, which is just Hillbilly Horror Stories, which you want to join anyway, because... There's four or five posts on there every single day, and people are loving it right now. We reached yeah. over a million people the last seven days. That's crazy. On there. So go check it out, but there'll, there'll be a link on there where you can go vote for us, and we appreciate it. Voting just started today, and it goes to the end of September. Yeah, I just actually was just looking at that, and I've seen that people have done that already. So we appreciate you all so much. Yeah. So thank you, guys. We love you, and we will talk to you very soon. You all have a blessed week. God bless.